As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! I don't think any of us saw that one coming with a banged-up offensive line, missing both starting cornerbacks. Oh, and their first backup cornerback. The Jets go out and hand the Eagles their first loss of the season. Unbelievable. I'm Tim McMaster, along with the Athletics Jets reporter, Zach Rosenblatt. Thank you for checking out us out on the Can't Wait podcast. Happy to have you here, either on YouTube Live or if you're checking out the audio version after the fact. Please subscribe. Give us a great review. That really helps us out as we continue to try to grow this YouTube page and, and also the podcast as a whole. Lots to get to today. Of course, we'll talk about the defense finally showing up for an entire game and being the defense that we really thought they could be. Uh, Greg Zerline's greatness. We'll talk about that. And he, he may be the MVP on this team at this point, the way this offense works. And of course, the red zone struggles. We'll get to what it all means as well. But first, and everybody at home goes, oh, but first, <laughs> no Taylor Swift talk. We promise. No, no, no. Last week, though, Zach, we talked about Zach's birthday because we recorded on Wednesday. Um, one of the reasons was because Tuesday was difficult for both of us. But the reason it was difficult for Zach was because it was his birthday. So we said happy <laughs> birthday. But things got better as the week went on. Now, this was Saturday. This happened, right, Zach? Yeah, it was Saturday. All right. Check it out. This is from Zach's Instagram over the weekend. My private one. So I, not my uh, it's not my NFL one. So you guys yeah, are I'm, getting I'm, an exclusive here. I'm showing it with permission. Um, and shout out big shout out to samantha for putting this together for zach on saturday (laughs) she did Um, if you're if you are checking out the audio version you obviously can't see this so we'll describe but basically it's a seven stop pizza crawl on saturday through the rain zach just tell us what it was all about you started on joe's on 14th and then went from there yes uh yeah so samantha surprised me with this uh saturday morning it was a rainy day but we still wanted to do it um i'm a big pizza snob uh new york foods i like i've been trying to like hit all the great spots and there's been so many pizza spots i've wanted to hit so she made up like a seven stop tour where we wanted to make our way to brooklyn so she like formatted it around that started at joe's which is my favorite pizza outside of italy in the world um <laughs> and it lived up to the hype as always uh, and then we stopped at some other spots um 
I think second was there's a spot called Unregular Pizza in the West Village. It had like square pies that were really good. Scars Pizza, which is a very famous spot and very popular, uh, was really good. Uh, the, the sauce was like tangy. We're, we're going food reviews right now. Um, after that, we went to L- Industry in Brooklyn, uh, which is one I've been dying to have. It's a really popular spot. That was good. We had a burrata slice there, as you see on the video right there. Um, they went to this place called Finney's Pizza, which is owned by the same people that have like Misi, which is this amazing pasta joint. That one, at that point, once you have a certain amount of pizza, you start to feel it, especially as you get older, I would say. And that's when it's, I would say that's around when it started. Um, And then from there, we went to a spot called Aces, and that's where it really started hurting me because we, it was like a Detroit style, but like legit Detroit style where it was like thick. Uh, And we started struggling after that. And then we hit uh, one more spot after that, Pauly G's, uh, I believe. And that was really good. That was more like a traditional, like, it was like Joe's style pizza, but it was like in a, like a divey type of traditional pizza diner. But anyway, it's it's a fun activity to do if you want to surprise your significant other with it. Uh, if you love pizza, I've, you know, I've never had Joe's. Sadly. Yeah, you're, you're like the third person to say that to me this week, and that blows I my mind. I know, mouth. and I've lived in the city for over ten. Maybe years. We, maybe yeah. we should, we should do a can't wait date to Joe's. Ooh, are we yeah. do a live broadcast? Live pod from Joe's? Oh man, I don't yeah. know. If, there's some interesting characters a little that crowded come, rolling there through, come rolling through Joe's depending on the one you're at. So that would be funny. But uh, yeah, so you guys just got a little pizza, pizza bit. We There were some spots like we, the, the idea we want to do slices. So like we didn't stop at places like John's on Bleecker or ones right. where you like have to sit down and have a pie. Didn't do Prince Street, which I've, I haven't had yet. I know some people, Connor loves that place. I've never been. Um, there's a few other slices that I think we'll hit at some point. But yeah, so I love, I'm in a foodie. I, I love new I love pizza and so it was it was pretty cool. Even in the rain, we still had a great time. All right. How long? Just one question, then we'll move on to the Jets. But I j- just curious, seven pizza spots, that's seven slices. Is that like breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Did you start like at <laughs> noon? Like how did how did that day unfold as far as like yeah, the tasting yeah. so of the pie? We we started at noon. Um there were some stops where we both split one slice because we just knew like we had to like be reasonable about it otherwise we were gonna like i mean i needed a nap real hard after i uh got back but yeah it was i would say it stretched out from like noon to like six or seven p.m we maybe made a couple pit stops along the way at like a bar or two or you know just checking out like some stuff you might have some beer to yeah and i'm i also anyone who follows me on my personal instagram knows i'm a big espresso martini head so we stopped to get espresso um yeah, it was a fun day. I love going in the city. That's one, been one of the coolest things in moving up North Jersey. Because when I was a kid, we'd we would like take the bus into the city or 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 the train or whatever, and we get out and you and you'd be all amazed by the uh, the tall buildings and crap. And we do all the touristy stuff. But now that I've I moved closer, I'm able to like actually see New York, and I've I'm, I'm just I've loved it for the last I guess like two and a half years. I've been up here. It's it's a it's a joy. To Gotta come up to the uh, the one hundred sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we got to meet up in the city. We did the one time for that one athletic get together. That oh, that's right, that's right. Person, so yeah. that that's something that I was like, maybe I should take on throwing this. So we used to have these gatherings for the athletic yeah. in the city for everyone that works in the yeah, area. Yeah, we didn't do one this year, huh? Well, the guy that threw that always organized them uh, isn't isn't at the company. Was it John? Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. so somebody's got to pick up the, the <laughs> con. Nobody wants to do it, but nobody wants that job. We all want to meet up. It. We all want to meet up, but nobody wants to. Yeah, no one loves. Well, it's up. a thankless job because <laughs> yeah, you can't go well. Like it's like it's like it's like planning a bachelor party. It's like yeah. it's not fun. The, you don't the, the party's fun, but the planning it's not. Yeah, you know what else is fun? Beating the Eagles at home. There you go. 
in week transition six tim the, there we go <laughs> week six <laughs> of the nfl season that went a little too long um but all, all good <laughs> If you're just joining us now, congratulations. But check out the audio <laughs> version for the uh, If you like pizza, pizza, listen talk. to the first uh, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, well, one more shout-out, but it is football-related, and that mm-hmm. is the Jets beat the 5-0 and Eagles. There was one other 5-0 and team, and they went down as well. And who beat them? The Cleveland Browns. And who started on the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday? Michael Dunn. That's right. Good job, Michael. Played and he had a heck of too. a game, battled yeah. through a little uh, little calf injury. And and yeah. Kevin Stefanski shouted him out in his press conference. Like, we, we love this. It's a great day for the world, football, everybody. Shout out to the Duns. We, yes. we don't have the other Michael Dunn in the chat right now. It's very disappointing. This is a bit, could have been a big moment for him. <laughs> Always. Um, <laughs> all right. So as, as for the Jets, I mean, really, this game, it, it was an impossible game considering the injuries not i mean even if it was just aaron Rodgers missing you would have been like ah they're not going to beat the eagles um but i mean i have deontay smith on my uh devontae smith on my fantasy team and i was like you know i'm I'm, i picked the eagles so i wanted them to keep closer or pull this thing out but i was like this looks pretty good as far as passing you know receiving yards (laughs) I, I don't, like Zach. Let's start. Let's start big picture. Then we'll get into the defense. But like this win and what it means for this team. I looked back on our predictions for the season, and you and I both had this team three and three going into the bye. Uh, we were actually identical weeks three, four, five, and six. You had them beating the Bills. I had them beating the Cowboys. And those. So those were the two flips. Otherwise, we both had them the same weeks three, four, five, and six. With a healthy team and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, yeah. three and three, and then everything gets easier after the bye. And now we're sitting here at three and three, and everything gets easier after the bye. So, what can this team do now? I, I, <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, we were just talking about Marissa, and she just texted us actually. But uh, anyway, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a hard question to answer just because, like, it's. This week in particular is so made it so clear that it's such a week to week league. Like you really never know anything. Um, you know, you think back like they barely beat the Broncos. If they had lost that game, then everybody would have like given up on the season. And now we're two weeks later, and everybody's like, Aaron Rodgers can come back this season, and we can win the Super Bowl. So it's uh, it's crazy. But you know, this was even the game itself. Like if you had checked in at various points throughout the game, you would not have thought the Jets were going to win that game. The Eagles did everything in their power to give it to them. The Jets defense absolutely earned every, every inch of what they got. Uh, the Jets offense did not, but they won. They beat the Eagles and undefe- the undefeated Eagles, a team with, as you mentioned, Devonte Smith and AJ Brown, AJ Brown had a great game, but he didn't score any touchdowns. They literally started a guy. And I, I pride myself in, in, on even knowing the bottom of the roster guys, uh, like numbers, like stuff like that. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good about that among the beat writers. At some point, there was a guy named, uh, I heard he, I just blanked on his name. Like, I feel actually bad at myself. Kay Hayes. A guy named Kay Hayes was covering A.J. Brown at some point. And I even tweeted, I'm like, I'm not, Tay Hayes, somebody named Kay Hayes just covered A.J. Brown. I'm not familiar with his work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, th- this guy wasn't on the team two weeks ago. I looked into his bio uh, yesterday. He, I think he's been signed uh to a practice squad or active roster 14 times. And he's been released 14 times. And that's since 2019. So he's been on and off rosters nonstop. One of those like journeyman types. And to, to his credit, 
and the defensive backs coach Tony Oden's credit. He got him ready. Craig James, I joked Craig on James Twitter. James was lights out. I joked he had a pass breakup that that prevented a touchdown, and I joked uh, on Twitter because I t- you know every every Monday I like to tweet like some stats from PFF and whatnot and uh, True Media, and I put all the cornerback stats, and he was the one, only one who didn't give up any catches. <laughs> And so there are Too people tired, like right? I, people are like I look, Craig James, more like uh, Craig Gardner or Sauce James, and somebody's like I would let him date my daughter, and um, I and I and I and I said what I tweeted was a week ago, Jets fans, who is Craig James? Today, Jets fans, I would die for Craig James. Like that's the that's the turn of events. It's gone. I, I will say I did know who Craig James was because I covered the Eagles in 2019 when he had a game winning uh, pass tip to an interception against Aaron Rodgers of all people in Lambeau. And I covered that game and Craig James came out of nowhere there. That was like his first snap of the game too. But anyway, like, so they played with all backup corners. Uh, Michael Carter, the second was there, but even he got banged up at one point. Uh, we're going to get into like the details of all this, but Jeff Ulbrich had just a, a fascinating and fantastic game plan where he was moving everybody in the secondary around constantly. Like at one point, Bryce Hall is on the outside and then he goes to the other side. Michael Carter's inside and then he goes outside. Ashton Davis is getting some time in the nickel. They blitzed a little bit. Um, yeah, to Taylor Delgado's point, they only targeted Craig James twice. The Eagles, the Eagles had a very weird game plan in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, the Jets gutted this one out. Like, like this is kind of how without Aaron Rodgers, this has kind of been their formula, and it's dating back to last year. It's ugly wins where you're running the ball and you're stopping them, and you're hoping the offense just breaks through once or twice. And they didn't even like, run the ball successfully in this game. Yeah, either. they really like, didn't. Hall um, wasn't good. Yeah, uh, he had some like nice runs and he had a couple catches, but yeah, like it's it's an ugly, I don't know if it's a style that can like win playoff games like when you get down to to that part of the season, but if you can get to the playoffs with this, I mean, look, we're talking about that again. Like it could very easily we can already be like back off the bandwagon if they lose to the crappy Giants after the bye week, but I don't think they will necessarily. I'm just saying like it's very week to week, but um you know, for all the doubters and I think there were some even about this defense they put a target on their back with DJ Reed's comments before the season. Like they last year, if you're, I mean, we've talked about this. They had, they needed a little ramp up last year too. If you remember, like they weren't elite elite right out of the gate. And this was like their signature game, kind of like the Packers game, which was a year ago, like yesterday or today, I think Uh, that Packers game against Rogers is where that defense had a kind of had a coming out party. And you had the same thing. Like you had so many guys coming up clutch. Um, You know, Jermaine Johnson forced two of the interceptions, just by pressuring uh, Jalen Hurts or hitting the ball out of Dallas Goddard. Bryce Huff was dominant, his best game maybe as a Jet, which is saying something. Um, Tony Adams with the with the game-ending interception. They they forced four turnovers. And I I, I think I, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast. I think he, he said something. I forget the time frame, but um, it's, uh, however many years uh, there's been like 29 teams that forced four turnovers and only one of them uh, lost that game. And it for a little while it seemed like the Jets were going to lose that game, and then you see, um, I mean the Eagles. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting in the weeds. Oh, big picture, huge win, arguably the biggest one of Robert Sala's tenure, just because of what it means for this season. We we probably said this last year when they were six and three, and then probably that Bills game I would say is probably where we were talking like that, and then they kind of fell apart. But something does feel different about this team. Like they they really do seem to have a locker room that. Uh, is sticking together uh, and Zach Wilson is holding himself accountable and he's really like matured and you know there's a lot of concerns and we're going to get into them especially on offense like there's legit concerns but th- this is a this is a group that 
wants to play together. They they won a game without their two best corners, and that just goes to show you that like you know how well coached that defense is at the very least. And so um, there's a lot of positives come out of this, and we'll get into them. A lot of negatives, but you go into the bye with a win like this, like out of all the teams out of their six, like if we were to rank the the team they were most likely to beat and the least likely to beat, like Eagles might have been the least likely on that list if you just like. Look at how they match up with these teams. And, and Patriots would have been most likely. Yeah. <laughs> lost that one. Yeah. And well, the Patriots look like maybe the worst terror, or second terror. worst team in the league right now. Yeah. Or maybe not the worst. The Bears are pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, huge, huge win. I mean, three and three going to the bye. Like, as you said, the schedule gets easier. I know you say that you say that in NFL seasons and it doesn't wind up mattering at the end of the year. But th- this team has the ability now to make some noise. And I would not have guessed that. Like, even if they had gone, I would have been okay. I think it would have been understandable if they went into the bye two and four. I don't think anybody would have faulted them for that, even though they should have won that Patriots game. Like, I don't think like considering the circumstances of losing Rogers, you lose Elijah Vera Tucker, you lose DJ Reed for two weeks. You lose sauce Gardner at the last minute, by the way, he, they, he didn't get declared out until Saturday. All right. So, I mean, just uh, Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich deserve a lot, a lot of credit in that locker room and those guys in it and that defense, like, this defense is the real deal. And if they're going to go far, it's because of them. And, you know, we'll get into the Rogers thing because there's more to talk about there, but yeah, I mean, fans have got to be absolutely ecstatic. Um, Taylor Delgado just said culture, baby. It, it really is like the culture they're building here where it, it like the next man up thing is so cliche, but the jets have really lived that the last two years. So it's uh, a lot of interesting stuff ahead and they, it couldn't be a better way to go into the buy. And it's confidence too. Like everything, this team, you know, you you preach it and you talk about it and all that stuff. But then when it comes through in a game like this, I think it solidifies it in the minds of the players. And yeah, and we will see. All right, so it changed the people's view of this team apparently as well. And like this Jets team coaching staff basically took a bow today, front office. Like it, <laughs> over it, it was a little weird how like the just the perception changed a little bit um pat mcafee praising robert sala for you know putting it together and, and pulling out this impossible win uh Pibble bringing up joe douglas's 2022 draft class again because it shined even more as the, yeah. the kind of late picks in that game uh came through in in special moments sala is talking about albrick now as a head coaching candidate uh, it just went down the line, Zach, where like this team wins a game they're not supposed to. They get to three and three, and it's just like they're patting themselves on the back, and so is everybody else. It was wild today. Yeah, and, I mean, and Robert Sala, who's often the biggest vic, uh, like culprit of this, like is always talking about how it's the apocalypse or it's you know the Super Bowl every week <laughs> when, especially in New York, you you kind of would wish maybe they would handle the wins a little bit better. It is. I think it's okay to celebrate Act like them. Like you've been there before, but the Jets haven't been there before, which is <laughs> right. part of it. But especially just because, like this one in particular, like I guess I get why you're celebrating because of who you beat and all they had been through and everybody counting them out and all that stuff. But it's a long season; like this will wear off pretty quick if you don't come out of the bye. And I'm not saying they won't come out of the bye ready, but if you don't come out and fix a lot of their problems, then you know we might not be as excited a couple weeks from now. So I, I think it's it's okay to say to temper it a little bit, but while also being very excited about, you know, like you said, the 2020 draft very, very much worth celebrating. Like there's not a miss in that class and it only looks better because Jermaine Johnson is starting to look like a star. Like, like we thought he would in training camp, but you know, you never know when you get to the regular season, Tony Adams living up to all the hype he had in the preseason. Now, like there's 
Um, you know, the, their, the defense is bad. Like Salah is catching both praise from like the fan base and some criticism from um, Cowboys fans specifically for his quote after the game where he said, we had a gauntlet. I don't have the exact quote of money. We, we had a gauntlet through six games of quarterbacks, which he's right about. Um, and we didn't win all of them, but we, we dominated them. We dominated each one of them or whatever it was, which it said like coaches don't usually talk like that. So I appreciate it. And he's like confident. He loves this team, but <laughs> I mean, well, Dak here's Pres- the numbers. Didn't right, dominate for, Dak Prescott. I don't have them all, but, but Josh Allen, a touchdown, three picks. Yes. Mahomes, a touchdown, three, two yeah. picks. And Hurts, a touchdown, three picks. And that was yeah, the top Dak- three. That was the top three MVP voting last year, by the way. Right. So, and I mean, yeah. that's even though they, well, I mean, they won two of those three games too. And yeah. and a lot of people will continue they, to say they should have won all three yeah. based on, you know, some stuff. Yeah. But, the Chiefs one is one that got away weirdly. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, you know, I guess talk your shit to a degree, but also like, I think this locker room does have the right guys to like pull it back maybe as it gets closer. I think Rogers like being in the building, maybe even added to the excitement a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, you, this is a good time that they do need to heal up. They do have a bunch of banged up guys. We should talk about one who they might've lost for a while, which is a pretty significant loss um, on the offensive line. But uh, yeah, I think this offense, I, I think the buy in the middle of the season is one is the best. I mean, maybe like a week or two from now would have been the best possible spot, but I think the middle of the season is the best spot for it. Get to it's like a halfway point get to breathe a little bit, everybody heal up for a week. And then you come back around uh, when they come back and you have a giant team that's reeling. Um, they lost a game. They should have won against the bills. Uh, I don't know if you watched that game. Like they had some baffling decisions, especially they did, really? you know, at end of first half thing that was reminiscent of the jets last week where Tyrod Taylor, I think it was a Taylor early Dable has been happy to throw his quarterback under the bus, but he, he claimed it was Tyrod's fault, uh, like calling to a run. And then the clock ran out before halftime and, so they didn't get a field goal and that wound up costing them. And then they threw, they called some, right, anyway, I won't get too deep in the giants. They're an, I think they're a disaster and they do not have very much talent. So the, the jets absolutely should not only beat the giants, I think they should kill them. And I think the jets should want to kill them for some New York supremacy. I, I did a little trolling last night on my way out. Cause I do have some giants followers still. So I probably shouldn't have done this, but I, uh, I, I, I saw the end of the giants game, got to my car MetLife Stadium was lit up with the green lights. It looked really cool. Yeah. So, I, so I tweeted, huh, G- Giants are reeling. The Jets are rolling, which is an exaggeration. Uh, <laughs> good night from JetLife Stadium. And so typically a lot of Giants fans were very mad that I tweeted that. Jets fans liked it. You got to pander every now and then. Yeah, you uh, do. And, uh, so and yeah. this coaching staff should feel the extra motivation too because a year ago, you know, everyone was on Brian Dable. Dable's the guy. The Jets should have hired yep. him the previous year. And they ended up with the wrong guy and now it looks the other way. Yep. Totally. Um, again, it's early though. Like Salah still has a lot to prove this year, uh, but they put themselves in a great position and that's the, that's all you can say. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So one more thing on the defense, and then we can move over to the offense. But we've talked a lot this season about how they've gotten pressure on quarterbacks, but they haven't gotten home. Um, and against of all quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, they they get home, right? Five, five times, 10 QB hits. I mean, and the interceptions, not the first one, which was a fluky play where, you know, Quinnen's where it went up into the air yeah. and kind of ended up in Quinnen's hands. But the Quinnen other tried, two were... Quinnen tried stiff-arming a guy again, by the way. I don't think it worked as well. This time. I was, honestly, I was like, just go take it, just take a knee, Quinnen, <laughs> right? Like that guy running down the field with the ball yeah, is yeah. not way... You, the last thing you need is somebody to do a low diving tackle on Quinnen Williams when he's trying to run the football. Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> it's not great. Um, but but he ended up, everything ended up okay. Um, but the other two were caused by pressure. Yeah. Uh, well, the first, Thank the Quinn and one was caused by Jermaine Johnson tackling Dallas Goddard. Well, like, right. The but, ball. Yeah. But yeah, so that wasn't a pressure though. But yeah, I believe it was the, yeah, the second one was Jermaine deflect or he, he hit, I believe he hit Jalen Hurts and the ball like he just kind of went up in throw. the air and Bryce Hall yeah. grabbed it. Um, Bryce Hall second straight week with a huge play. I mean, it was again, it was right to him. Like the other one was the fumble recovery. And then the last one was Tony Adams. It was a bad throw by Jalen Hurts. It was a strange. I He was kind of backpedaling a little bit, though, yeah. right? To get away. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird play call. It, obviously. Yeah. So I'm saying, so it's the, the Eagles are trying to run out the clock. And on third and long, um, they call a pass, which, you know, that's the kind of their, their reputation They're is aggressive. Like, aggressive. Yeah. like, I get it. So it's not like hurts. University of Miami not kneeling bad, but it, yeah, like, yeah. it just looks bad when it doesn't work. Yeah. And just based on what guys on the Jets are saying, it sounded like maybe they like had blitzed on that play earlier in the game with Tony Adams or or the safety. And so I think they got in Jalen Hurts' head a little bit. And so Tony Adams like stayed back instead of blitzing and and he had the pick, I think is what happened. Um and then that set up the touchdown. And then there's the weird thing where the Eagles kind of let the Jets score. And there's been some debate over whether they should have. I actually agree with them scoring. I, I think it was, I think you trust the Jets defense to stop the Eagles from going 75 yards up the field based on everything you saw that game. And the flip side of that, the Jets have had a hard time scoring touchdowns. So you take a touchdown when it's there. So yeah, anytime you can get a touchdown. So I, I don't think the criticism on that has been necessarily warranted, but. Yeah, that was uh yeah, those turnovers were were huge. They forced a fumble as well. Um I'm blanking on what happened on the forced fumble, but um I, I should I mean I mentioned them before. We'll mention them every podcast because we're a Bryce Huff supporting podcast. It was but, Swift though that fumbled. Yeah, yeah. Quick. Swift Swift fumbled. You're right. Yeah, I can't I can't remember who tackled him when, when he did it, but um Quincy recovered it. And so both both Williams brothers forced uh recovered a, a turnover in that game. I think it was the first time brothers had ever done that and Quincy was like my the last time we both had a sack in a game, my grandma was at the game, and then she came to this game. We both forced turnover. We're gonna have to get her to come to more games. <laughs> Quincy is just loving him, just like loving life right now. He's just like such a fun, fun personality. The fan base loves him. Every time he does that uppercut, they go crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bryce Huff, I just I just wanted to shout him out again because I think he had eight pressures, uh, one and a half sacks, 
He's playing a lot more now. They're starting to play him on first, second down. Like he's becoming like a well-rounded defensive end. His price is just going up and up and up. I don't get the sense that they've necessarily talked to him about an extension yet. I could be wrong. Um, but they should. And maybe he doesn't want to do it now because he thinks he's going to make a lot of money in the offseason, which he absolutely will. And maybe waiting it out and it's going somewhere risky, where you can though. you see guys yeah, getting hurt everywhere. Getting hurt. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, but he's he's a great story. Like I asked Jermaine Johnson about him. They had a great long answer. Um like his journey here, like he was an undra- he was undrafted. He fought his way onto the team, was playing sparingly for the first year or two. And he just like built himself. He just developed himself. He grinded. He's a very popular figure in the locker room. He just like does his job. He doesn't really say much. And he's just like a very unique player because he's he's not like tall or like he's he's jacked, but he's not like huge like weight wise. And he's just so so fast. He gets off the line and probably in part again we've talked about this probably in part because he doesn't play like eighty percent of the snaps. He's able to sub in there, and they don't know what to do with him. He gets the quarterback, they pull him out, but he's playing more and he's he's playing well. And he's one of the he's one of the PFF didn't like him, right? Yeah, I know. I I always feel bad for PFF when I tweet out those. Because I, I I do tweet out when I feel like they're right about stuff, so I kind of have to, I feel like I have to do both. Because Jets fans get mad at me for any time I tweet PFF stuff because they they disagree with it only when it's bad. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think Bryce Huff has been an absolute marvel this season. I think he's been one of their five to seven best players, along with Jermaine Johnson, by the way. So I think you you got to lock down Bryce Huff because I think Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson are the future at defensive end. Twenty five years old, I think they're maybe both twenty five because Jermaine was a little older as a rookie. Like that's a two, that's a duo you can build around, and you know whatever you have to pay Bryce ten million a year. I don't know. Ed Rushers make a lot of money. Uh, he's making a lot of noise. He's putting up. He's getting stacks now. He's had sacks in back to back weeks. Like I would, I would lock him up ASAP. I'm, I mean, as a spoiler, I'm planning to write about that this week. Uh, I, I just think he's been an absolute stud. That defensive line finally played like we like we talked about leading up to the game how they needed to get off their blocks. The Eagles did lose Lane Johnson, which should be said because he's the best right tackle in the league. I think he has some ridiculous streak raising, giving up a sack in like 2,000 snaps or something like that, which is absolutely bonkers. He left, and that definitely made a difference. But that's still, you're not, they're not just, they're one of the best offensive line because they have yeah, five overall, good players. So. Right. Um, and running yeah, too I mean, swift only at 18 yards on yeah, 10 carries. They, I mean, they, they just dumped locked him. it down. Yeah. They, I mean, the line, like Quincy and CJ Mosley both had great games. Tony Adams, I mean, the corners. Like on every level, they like the Jets were just like they came to play. And well, I guess this can maybe we can transition to the other side. I'm sure you're about to. And that's we should get into the pluses and minuses of the offense because there are yeah. a lot of them. Let's do that. And to transition it though, just curious. I don't know if you checked out what was Michael Dunn's PFF grade. Did you? Ooh, I'll, I'll do that right now. All right. You, on you do that while I transition. Start the next topic. Yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> talk about the offense. Um, and I mean, Zach wasn't. I think we should start with Zach and I want to take it big picture though. He was 19 of 33, 186 yards, obviously no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I think you had the numbers. It's the fifth time in six games he's thrown for less than 200 yards. But the one thing I'll say is this, this was the gauntlet of the schedule, right? Yeah. And yeah, he had his ups and downs for sure. There were definitely some highlights. There was definitely some low lights, but he never like, for lack of a better term, saw ghosts. Yeah. And I don't think there was ever a time in these six games Absolutely. when you thought, 
oh man, he's lost out there, right? Like which maybe is the maybe the felt. Patriots, maybe the Patriots game, but that would be it. That's yeah. a tradition, I guess. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but for the most part, I did not see that, and that's what we saw week in and week out last year. So when you look ahead to the schedule and you see that there's going to be some lesser defenses um, ahead of this team, and he got through this part and now has two weeks to kind of look back on it, right? And and yeah. recalibrate and hopefully spend a lot of time with Aaron Rodgers. It feels like he's maybe on an upward trajectory. Am I, I mean, I, I, so I, I think the bar was low. Like I think, well, obviously it's, it's upward so, trajectory from the bottom is. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my thing is like, he absolutely has been better than expected. And then last year, and it's the biggest thing is what you're saying. It's, he doesn't seem scared out there. He's not, making backbreaking and mistakes like maybe he's missing guys that are open or um you know maybe he's holding on to the ball too long sometimes but uh he's been more accurate when, where he's throwing the ball and he hasn't been making those crazy errors where you're like what are you thinking or or the short throws where he's sailing it over Braxton Berrios's head like stuff like that is not happening anymore and so it's progress the idea was like this was gonna be the year where he was gonna sit and like figure a lot of stuff out behind the scenes he has to do it in front of you know live bullets or whatever as they say so if it was a green bay packer draft pick he would just be starting for the first time right? yeah yeah true for like two Year years three, yeah. yeah yeah um i will say he was airing it out a little more he was just like throwing it up to garrett and hoping he would go and get it kind of thing like there was a few more of those throws we need uh, those yes and i think like, that's that's an important part of this offense is just chuck it up to garrett yeah uh, and, i think and garrett they don't finally, do enough of that still yeah and they, they did target garrett more finally like we've been talking yeah. about that for I mean, we'll probably will be a thing as long as this passing offense fails to get going. But he had 12 targets, three solid five, and the rest was kind of split up among like everybody. And that's kind of how probably he's going to be as long as Zach Wilson is the quarterback. Uh, I still had some questions about like some of the game, the play calling. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, Zach, I think a lot of positives. I think he's handling it really well. You know, I in the locker room, Garrett Wilson said something about how they feel on offense, they feel like the defenses are disrespecting them because they're not, they're kind of daring them to pass it every week. And I asked Zach Wilson about that. And he's, and he's like, yeah, we feel disrespected, but also like, do you blame them? Like, and it was the most like, that's a, that one, of is, self -aware, one of the more self-aware, like, you know, mature things he said since he's been a quarterback. Like I was, that's I, like a, what did you do with Zach Wilson? Got yeah. To, right, that, right, that's right. why I, I, uh, I messaged my, uh, my boss after I'm like, Zach's Zach's becoming pretty likable these days. I don't know. I don't know what's what what's in his cereal, but he's he's become a lot more likable. And you know, I think has Connor not been hanging out at the yeah zone? exactly. Then maybe that's what it is. Um, well, Connor wasn't on the Zoom, so maybe that's why. But yeah. uh, um, I mean, it you know, you have to remember sometimes he's very young when he came in the league, and he came from a place in BYU and, and where he was in high school, where he was always just like propped up as like this this legend and this guy who was the most popular guy in town and all this stuff. And he could do no wrong. And, and then you get to the NFL and you have this whole locker room of guys counting on you and everybody's livelihood is on the line and, and he's struggling and they're, and you know, the fans are turning it on. He's getting booed when he comes out in the field. And, and so I think he, it all really threw him for a loop. And then, you know, co a combination of everything, especially Aaron Rodgers coming in has really changed just the way he, he talks and walks and looks like he, he doesn't seem miserable every time he's talking to us anymore, which, you know, I get being miserable talking to us to a degree, but he's really well, changed. He, you know, that might be Aaron because Rogers, yeah. like, yeah. let's be honest. Rogers, like was a ham with you guys for 
Yeah, yeah. Well, Rodgers knows how to play that game. Yeah. But so it just it just always seemed like Zach had no interest in being anywhere near us for the first two years, frankly. And you know that to each their own, like it's their own prerogative. But he's completely switched. He answers every question you ask him. He handles it pretty well. He's thrown a little more personality, and that that doesn't necessarily matter. It's just more like indicative of like the overall like Zach is a different guy this year. And again, like I still don't know that he's like a long term starting quarterback for an NFL team. I don't think he's shown enough quite yet for that. But the Jets, if they can beat a team like the Eagles with this formula, then they can beat almost anybody. Uh, and that's saying a lot. You know, like maybe you're not going to be able to do this every week for 17 weeks. I think that's asking a lot of the defense to asking be that a lot. good every week. Yeah, and it's asking a lot of the running game when the other team knows you're going to run it to to be able to get anything going. And, and turnovers aren't and, automatic, right? Like yes, yeah, and that that turnovers are are mostly luck. Like that's right. generally speaking, turnovers are considered luck. Uh, you know, scheme doesn't get enough credit sometimes in that area, but, um, and you know, the quarterback was hit on like two or three of those turnovers or whatever. So, so th- it's not going to sustain at that rate. So you have to, you can't count on the defense bailing you out every time. And so the offense needs to do there. And that's been my big question since I was in the locker room on Sunday and we can transition like out of just Zach now, I guess, you know, they've gotten to the red zone a lot. They, at one point they were eight straight drives without scoring a touchdown. On one hand, you could say, okay, they got to the red zone eight times, and I think they got a field goal just about every time. That's points, but you need to get in the end zone. 0 for 8 is bad. They're, right now, they are 32nd on third down conversions, and they're 31st in the red zone, and they're 3-3. Three and three. Like, So what that tells you is if you fix that even a little bit, this team yeah. could be very good, Like, but they haven't done it yet. We haven't seen any of any. I mean, this has been a problem for years. They, they've struggled on third down. They've struggled in the red zone long before – I, I with saw multiple offensive coordinators and multiple coaching. I, yeah, I was about to say. I heard. I saw somebody tweet at me. I forget the exact tweet, but it was something like, uh, "Am I am I watching Adam Gase, Michael Four, or Nathaniel Hackett right now? I don't really know the difference, <laughs> like that kind of thing." Um, and it for whatever reason, whenever the Jets get to the red zone, they just start shooting themselves in the foot. They get conservative. They get scared, and that's been the biggest issue with Hackett is the scare stuff. But there also has been penalties. Um, and there's been mistakes and there's been turnovers, like things like that. But they need to be more aggressive. Like they they finally stopped doing run, run, pass every single time this last game. Um, they even passed it on first down on their first drive. And I thought, you know, they should throw a parade because they finally didn't didn't run it on first down to start the game. Uh, Which but, is what they did against the Chiefs too, right? Like that was... Yeah. But whatever they're doing in the red zone, it's not working. So you got to figure something out because you're not going to win game. Like you mentioned, like... I was thinking about this earlier, as you said, and I thought about it earlier. Like, where would they be without Greg Zerline and, and Thomas Morstead? Because against the Broncos, Thomas Morstead pinned the Broncos, and then they safetyed. They got a safety again. Uh, oh, they had safety the, the week before that against the, the Chiefs, Chiefs, and then Broncos. the Broncos. And yep. and Morstead's been fantastic in general. And and then Greg Zerline has been their almost sole source of points for the last two weeks. Um, like the Jets, have this a is a team kicker. that didn't couldn't find a kicker. For, yeah, so what, that, ten years and now so this is the Jets like of old. Like they would would yeah. they be winning these games because they don't have a because right. they wouldn't have a kicker. But like you can't keep relying on Greg the leg to make it every single time. Um, like they, it, it's the most maddening thing about the team right now because that's why it just feels like they're so close. And that's what I kept asking all these guys. Like, do you guys feel like you're on the verge of it? And they're all like, Yeah, we just feel like. It's like one guy messes up his assignment. Like you, there was the play. I forget if it was second or third down. There was the bootleg. They get to the red zone. They run a bootleg. And the the guy's oh, right yeah. on Zach. Nobody blocked him, which I guess is part of it. But um, 
like nobody chipped him or anything. And then he just had to take a sack instead of throwing it away and it pushed them back and it pushed them out of like touchdown range. Um, it, as it turned out, there was miscommunication and I don't know what receiver I'm guessing a tight end maybe was supposed to like split out like in front of him and he was supposed to be able to hit him right away. And he would have been maybe not a touchdown, but a first down or get them closer to the goal line. And instead he got sacked right away and it killed the whole drive. Like they, they keep having mistakes like that. And that's partially on coaching and, you know, getting these guys in the right position, getting them to know what they have to do. And it's the, and it's the guys executing like, so they haven't been executing and yeah, Ryan Hamilton second now. I'm honestly say I'd rather have Zach start than Trevor Simeon. That does feel like ages ago that's that everybody was step. like, it's a big yeah. step. Um, uh, yeah, so my tweets about saying Simeon might be an upgrade have not aged quite as well, probably, because I think Zach's better than Trevor Simeon, ultimately. Um, but yeah. Your the, Daniel the, Jones, Jalen Hurts tweet looked, looked all right. Yeah, yeah, and see, I was I was worried Jalen would have a big game, and then I would start getting retweeted again, but they're they're awfully quiet today. <laughs> well, although Daniel Jones is like, you know, he, he broke his neck or whatever, so. Um, but yeah, so the, the red zone thing, it's the one thing holding back this team right now, like, that and the slow starts on offense and the third downs, like they keep getting themselves in third and long situations. I think I, I just looked this up for my story I'm doing for uh, Wednesday. I think they on average are at third and eight and that's the second worst in the NFL. Like if you're on average third and eight, that means you're getting like a yard or two on the first two downs or you're getting incompletions. So they need to fix it out. Nathaniel Hackett needs Nathaniel Hackett, Todd Downing, Rob Calabrese, you know, Keith Carter, they all need to get together during this bye week and do something, figure out what they can do different. I know they've been installing a new offense and they didn't plan for Aaron Rodgers to be heard and blah, 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 all that crap. But you're six games in and this offense is, is just stagnant every single drive. Like they, they need to get in the end zone, get the ball to Garrett Wilson. I think Alan Lazard has been, I think he's been better than people give him credit for. I think it, Zach has a harder time getting him the ball, but he's been fine. Um, personnel wise, and maybe this was on your list of topics. I can't remember, but Randall Cobb's got to stop playing. <laughs> he played a lot. And I, there's a reason why he played a lot this Gibson game. Gibson got six, six plays. Yeah, he did. And he had a, he had like 15 yards on an end around Gibson, but Gibson was banged up. Uh, he had an ankle injury that showed up at the late in the week. And from what I've heard, uh, that's the main reason why Gibson wasn't playing more than Cobb, but we also haven't seen any evidence that they would play Gibson more than him yet. So until we see it, why should we believe it? Right. And Cobb, you know, to his credit, he caught that, uh, two point conversion pass, which was an absolute dime from Zach. It was a laser, uh, and it was a good catch. But he's got to stop being on the field for 35 snaps. Get him, you can get him in the game a little bit on running plays or whatever it is. Like, again, I'm teasing like something I have in my story. There's 89 receivers that have run at least 100 reps this year. Can you guess who's 89th in receiving yards amongst those? <laughs> he has 20 receiving yards running over 100 routes, like <laughs> 20 yards, like that. <laughs> He's played so many snaps to have no yard. Like it's it just, it's hard to do that. And he's a really good guy and a leader. And I think he's been helpful. He can like, do all those things from the sideline, though. He can be the, a really good guy and a leader it. on the side. And so, and this kind of goes into the McCole Hardman thing, which has been a clearly the team. We said this; they're kind of showing their hand. They do not like him. Otherwise, they would be playing him. I think maybe they didn't know what they were getting when they got him. Maybe they didn't research it enough. I don't know. They didn't have a plan. I find it hard to believe you can't figure out a way to use a guy with that speed. Um, maybe he hasn't really, you know, adjusted to the offense or whatever it is, but like he should, if Xavier Gibson is hurt, then get, then get McCall Harmon some touches, but clearly that's not in the cards. I think it's pretty clear. He's not going to be on this team by the trade deadline. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if he was, unless they start getting injured some more, 
which I should say, Garrett Wilson did leave a couple times, gave everybody a scare. And when you lose Garrett Wilson, as you know, like the depth already doesn't look great after losing Corey Davis. It looks a whole lot worse if you don't have Garrett Wilson in there. So um, it's a concern. But yeah, so if McCole Hartman's just like not an option, I don't know, see what you have in Irv Charles or Jason Brownlee or go and get somebody. Like they need somebody else in there that can contribute because it's not Randall Cobb. I'm sorry, but he's just, he can't be on the field to match. He's slow. He doesn't get open and he kind of drops the ball when he gets thrown it. And then in terms of other personnel, like I'll just branch off that at running back. They finally started going away from Dalvin cook. I think Michael Carter has been struggling. Um, he's been their third down back, like no matter what. And I think the idea is that he's better in protection than somebody like Izzy Abanaconda, but he doesn't really bring as much to the table in terms of elusiveness and the stuff that he showed as a rookie where he's kind of breaking tackles and not going down. And, you know, he's, he was really, really good as a rookie. It doesn't seem like that player is there anymore. And I think Izzy has some juice and I, and I think, you know, whether you don't, maybe you don't, they don't trust him in protection, which I get, but, they need to, this offense is not going anywhere. You need to get guys that can run north to south, and Izzy is a guy like that. So I would call him up. I'm in the free Izzy Abanaconda troop. Uh, I've seen some people on Twitter calling for that. And a tight end, you know, Jeremy Ruckert is starting to play more than CJ Uzama. He made a he made a good catch. He's been really good at blocking. I think his ceiling is a lot higher than any of their other tight ends. I think Conklin that has been underrated by this fan base. I think he is a really solid tight end, especially for a team that I feel like people on this fan base forget how bad the tight end position has been here for so long and to have like a solid guy like Conklin is like Conklin and Ruckert is a really good duo. So I, I play Ruckert play Gibson and uh, don't play Randall Cobb would be my message to the coaching staff. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order from a worldwide selection of live events the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, anything else on the offense? Oh, yeah, we, line. offensive line. We should talk about the offensive line. So It's not getting any better. Yeah, so it, it wasn't an amazing game from them, I would say. I, I think it got better as the game went along. I think Makai had some... He had some highlight reel blocks that were getting on social media, but he also gave up, uh, I believe, like six pressures and two sacks. Like, it wasn't an amazing game for him. But the biggest news is that they, Joe Tittman, who had really come into his own at right guard, which they didn't even plan to play him. They didn't even plan to start him a couple weeks ago. And he was really, really playing well. And then he hurt his thigh during the game. And when you hear that, you usually assume, like, contusion or something like that. But it seems like it's more serious. Um Maybe it's a quad or something. Maybe that's why it's a little more serious. But um, Solid did not sound optimistic. He wouldn't talk about it. Usually on Monday, he tells us because it's the bye. He kind of he's like, I'm not going to say now because I'm just going to let us get through the bye. Yeah, we'll get through the bye. And also, you know, he's been optimistic far too many times recently. Like I would say, um, it's almost become a parody at this point because on Friday, um, he comes off the field to tell us that uh, Sauce isn't practicing today. He's not feeling well. So we sent him home, uh, but we think he'll be fine for Sunday. All my matches were like, uh-oh, he's done. <laughs> Next day, declared out with concussion, and the fans lost their shit. <laughs> um, it's happened too much. He's got to stop saying he's optimistic. That would be my recommendation for him. Um, but, yeah, I Joe Tittman, it sounds like he's going to be out a while. We don't know for sure what it is or how long it is, but I'd say plan for life without him, which is very unfortunate for a second-round pick. And all of a sudden, they don't really have any rookies from that class contributing. So now – 
Wes Schweitzer will fill in. I don't think he played particularly well the other day. They don't have any other options. Um, their depth is, you know, we're back to where we were last year with the depth being an absolute issue. Um, you look at the roster, what they have. I think Billy Turner has some experience at right guard. I know that's probably not going to make this fan base very excited, but he might be their next man up at guard. Uh, they, they signed Dennis Kelly, the veteran, last week. He's played a lot of snaps. I think he's played some guard, mainly tackle. So maybe you make him your swing tackle. Carter Warren, the rookie, uh, was activated. So they have a few guys. Maybe you try and sign somebody. I know a lot of fans have been calling for Lyle Collins. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. They did work him out and then didn't sign him. Um, Justin Pugh on the Giants, they signed like off the couch and he played like guard and tackle the other day and played pretty well. They should have signed him maybe. But yeah, it's a tough spot. They're another injury away from a lot of trouble. Dwayne Brown, I think, should come back in a couple weeks. Maybe that doesn't excite fans. Um, but I do wonder what they do because Makai's been good enough at left tackle. So do you plug Dwayne in at right tackle? Do you make him the swing? Do you keep Max Mitchell at right tackle? Do you put Dwayne at guard? I know Jason Peters played guard later in his career. I don't know. Dwayne Brown's the next best offense. If if these are your five best, Dwayne Brown is at least one of your six best. So um, it's a tough spot because the offensive line, it felt like it was finally coming into its own. They had multiple games of the same group. And, you know, yeah, somebody said it's the Douglas O-line draft curse. It really does feel like some sort of curse because they finally had a draft pick that was playing well and the guy got hurt, like the Wisconsin waterfall. You know, he's he's going to be out a while. So it's a, it's a tough spot to be in, but at least you... You know, I don't think the Giants... The Giants do have some good D-linemen. That doesn't scare you. The Chargers have Khalil Mack, but you can double him. So it's not as scary of a stretch coming up, but for a group that, you know, Zach Wilson struggles when he's pressured and the offensive line just got worse. So it's a big, big concern. Uh, did you get the PFF score on Michael Dunn? I did, but I didn't like it. So I was trying to avoid saying right, we're not it. Gonna, we're not going <laughs> to talk about it. They were very harsh, and I think it's bullshit because he played a good game. So, there you, you know, go. you guys yeah, can attack PFF. Yeah, yeah, my permission now. Attack, attack, yeah. assemble. Um, I think that's it, right? I think we've covered it. There is, I will say, there was chatter in the in the chat about, and you probably didn't get to listen to much of this, but the Mark Sanchez in mm, the booth. Yeah, I didn't really listen to it. I'm curious how he was. I thought he was fine. Um, he didn't. He didn't stand out either way, I guess, like, which is good. Like, that's always you know, good. He hasn't a lot of it. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh man, this is terrible. Yeah. But I also wasn't like, wow, that was really Who was he, uh, who was he partnered up with? Um, oh, I just help me out if you're in the chat. Who was, who, what was the broadcast team? Yeah. I can't, I, 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 I saw the announcement. I can't remember who it was. He was at practice the other day. It was cool seeing him at practice. He, he seemed to be, he seems to be enjoying the, uh, that side of things. Um, it, it, I'm sure it had to be trippy because the Eagles and Jets are both his former teams too. So I'm sure that was trippy. Yeah, Kevin Kugler. Kevin Kugler. Yeah, there you go. Kevin Kugler is pretty good. Thanks, usually. Jeffrey. Snugging yeah. with the. Yeah. Oh, and I, I'll just mention it briefly because I don't really have much to say about it. But everybody in here by now knows that Rogers was like on the field throwing. Oh right, for the yep. game without, without boot, crutches. Without crutches, Salah kept having saying in quotes that he. uh he stood the whole game, but he definitely sat on the bench a bunch. So that part wasn't accurate, but he, he was on the sideline as I reported and solid confirmed. He, uh, he was contributing to the, like he wasn't calling plays, but he was offering suggestions. So um, he's back in the mix. I think he's the fact that he's doing what he's doing is pretty wild. Like we, I don't know what he's doing to get there. I think it's still crazy to think that he, like he might play this season, but I don't know. I, 
I'm I'm more I'm less skeptical than I was at the beginning. I thought there was a zero percent chance before. Now I'm like you know ten percent or whatever. So he could have thrown a football around anywhere underneath the stadium before he went to the stadium. <laughs> like there was a lot of options. Yeah, he was... clearly purposefully went out on that field without crutches or without a boot and threw the football back and forth. He was, I mean, he, he was sending really a message. I don't know if that message is to inspire the team. If it's just to keep himself in the public sphere, probably, I mean, to be honest, that's probably more of what it is. He just, you know, he doesn't want to fade away. Right. He needs people to continue to talk yeah. about him. I think that's yeah, part, exactly. of, part of it. So, but, but he definitely, he definitely thought about that action before he did it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he knows what he's doing and he was in the locker room after and there's all the photos of him smiling at the camera and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see what, what his role looks like, like over, over the course of his rehab and stuff. And if we start hearing stories about him getting more involved, like I, w- I wouldn't, I, while people, you know, make fun of him for putting his hands in everything, like I don't think anybody would be opposed to Aaron Rodgers being more involved in the play calling because it hasn't been certainly in so the red far. zone. How about you just yeah. give him the playbook in the red yeah. zone? Yeah, it's not so much. We're the on the eighteen zone. yard line. Hasn't, Aaron's hasn't really place. been hasn't really been the gold zone so far this season. So um, get Aaron in the mix, and uh, yeah, start throwing some points. All right, that's going to do it for us. It is bye week, so we're uh, we're negotiating when we'll be back. But um, <laughs> it'll be a mailbag episode, so get excited for that. We'll put the call out for for questions. Uh, maybe we can get a couple people on to to, yeah. to ask questions. We used to do that. Um, two years ago, I think we would have people hop in and actually ask oh, nice. a question. So we'll work on that kind of thing to keep things going through the bye week. Um, it'll either be late this week or early next week, uh, but we'll keep everybody updated via Zach's Twitter slash X account. Uh, but that's going to do it. Thank you. Enjoy the bye week because the Jets are rolling three and three where we all thought they would be, right? Not exactly the path we thought they would take to get there. Uh, But things are looking up. Thanks for tuning in to the Can't Wait Podcast.